A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we've got a lot of crazy stories, and our first story of the day is from Port Al Prince. After being irritated by constant calls from telemarketers, a UK man set up his own personal 0871 line in 2011 so that it costs whoever calls him. When the bank gas or electricity suppliers ask his contact details, he gives them that number. Lee Beaumont's predicament isn't new to anyone with a phone number, and almost everyone at some point finds themselves annoyed by calls in which they're not interested. According to a survey by the charity Citizens Advice, over two-thirds of the people they talked to received unwanted calls, emails, texts, or letters. So in November, Beaumont paid 10 British pounds along with VAT to set up his personal line that would charge 10 pence for every call, of which he receives 7 pence. Beaumont told the You and Yours program on BBC Radio 4 that he was honest about what he was doing when the companies asked why they were given such a number. Interestingly, almost all the companies he talked to on that number did not object to it. And if they did, he told them to email him. I'm gonna go out on a limb and assume that this is not something you could easily do in the US for something nearly as affordable as 10 British pounds. Otherwise, this just makes too much sense. Imagine spending roughly like $13 on a phone number that you can use that if anybody calls, they have to pay to actually get through to you. You would never have to worry about putting your number into a scam place ever again. Do you find your phone being blown up by scam calls and texts? Thankfully, I haven't had too much of a problem myself, but for most people, I'm kind of curious how bad it is. Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is from a mad nomad. Kick me out illegally? I control weather. For backstory, I was renting a whole house with my friends. Our first landlord was the sweetest guy who would come fix anything that was broken himself. He would also not mess with us for rent and keep things pretty clear with us. Sometime in the beginning of 2020, he sold this place to his brother-in-law, who I'll call S. Unlike our previous landlord, S was a sleazy middle-aged guy who was stingy with everything. He expected rent on the first of every month, but refused to fix anything that went wrong in the house. We paid to fix a lot of stuff right out of our own pockets, even though we were all students or just making minimum wage. Eventually, the housing prices went crazy, and S realized the rent we were paying was way less than what this house was worth. In my state, due to rent control, it's illegal to raise your rent beyond a certain percentage. But if you're signing a new lease, then you can obviously raise your rent however much you wish. Breaking a lease with a tenant is also a big no-no and has severe repercussions. There's only a few legal ways to evict a tenant. And one of those ways is if you as a landlord want to come make the property your primary residence. This is the option S picked and decided to serve us with legal papers. I was already in the process of moving out at this point because I'd had enough, but I felt sad for the people already living there. We stopped taking care of the property once we got served and asked to evict in 60 days. We let the yard overgrow and refused to fix anything broken as we'd had enough. I left a few days later, but this is what happened. The overgrown yard was a big problem and the city hit S with fines for not mowing. 
He tried to get us to pay, but we'd already left. He then decided to hold hostage any mail he received for us until I threatened to report him to the feds because withholding mail is literally classified as mail theft, which is a federal crime here. He also had to end up paying the nominal fine. After all of us moved out, he started living in the basement and rented out the upper floor to a bunch of kids I know from university. Here's the kicker. Remember I said we fixed everything? That includes the air conditioner and the thermostat. We fixed it, and because we paid out of our own pockets, I have the thermostat registered to me instead of it being registered to him. I know this may not be legal, but I can control the thermostat from my phone from anywhere as it's been registered to me. Although, just to mention, the thermostat can also be controlled through the device on the wall. It doesn't need an account. All you need to do to erase my account is to reset the thermostat, and that's just a simple button on the back. For the past two years, I've been heating the house in summers and cooling it in winters. Not so much so it could cause any mental or physical anguish, but just enough that they feel someone might have come changed it. I've lived in the basement and know how extreme the temperatures are downstairs compared to upstairs, so I'm able to have a lot of fun harassing S. The change is enough to bother those in the basement, but not those upstairs so I'm sure S has been fuming these past few years about people toggling the thermostat. From what I hear about S, he's still the same cheapskate and refuses to fix anything, which is also why he never decides to reset the thermostat. Someday S will realize that he needs to reset the thermostat and kick my account off, but until then, I'll continue to set the temperature so it's hotter in summers for him and colder in winters for him. Sorry not sorry S. Although this guy came in and kicked OP out because they weren't happy with the rent OP was paying, moved right in and gave them 60 days and kicked them to the curb, do you think OP watching this thermostat and controlling it every so often over the next couple years was just a bit much? Like for a summer or so maybe, or maybe even a summer and a winter, but two years later still flipping it around just to mess with this guy? Do you guys think it's a bit much and maybe unhealthy to keep going on and on with that? Let me know what you guys think. Our next story is from BAB5964, double checking me in front of me? I'll do it for you. I'm a youngish woman and an engineer in a very male dominated industry. I'm in charge of production and my responsibilities are somewhat quality engineer related. Whenever we build something, I have to fully test it and we build batches at a time. So one order can be up to 14 identically made products. On to the pettiness, our secretary, mine really, doesn't like me. She never has, ever since I made a few minor mistakes while I was taking over for my mentor who left the company. She has to get a final count on orders before one product can leave the building, which means I have to fully test up to 14 products before even getting information for it, which is a shot in the dark as to what the customer will request. It's a hassle, but I try and make it convenient for the secretary. I tell her when she asks how many products are good to send out to a customer, how many we can keep and try to sell later at a discounted price, and how many went to scrap. She inevitably turns around and asks my boss or the technician about the yield, who usually shrugs and repeats what I say. That seems to satisfy her, but it's annoying because my boss doesn't even test the product. I do. This morning, I got the same question from her, and something inside me took the proverbial wheel, much like Jesus. I told the secretary that we'll need to wait for my boss to come in. Confused, she said okay. We waited, and when my boss came in and got settled, I walked over to them, secretary in tow. 
Secretary was wondering about the yields for this batch of X product. My boss is confused. Okay, what did you get for the yield? I look down at my notes and repeat, out of W product, X amount are good to go to a customer, Y amount we will keep and try to sell later at a discounted price, and Z amount went to scrap. My boss nods at me and then at the secretary, their look now bordering bewildered. I turn to the secretary and say, let me know if you need anything else. The walk back to my cubicle was very satisfying. Yeah, I don't blame OP for being annoyed with this. It's like a weird babysitting, no, I don't really believe you. I'm going to ask this person who really has no say in the matter. I don't know if it's just to make sure that OP didn't miss anything or somehow trying to catch OP in a lie that would never be caught because the boss doesn't do any of that work. But yeah, if you're going to go double check OP every single time, let OP grab you by the hand, go straight to the boss and do it with you standing right there. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from AKS and ITD. Enjoy having no internet. Back when I was in uni in the early aughts, net access wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. In my third year, my uni finally granted us net access in our dorms. Unfortunately, they were only providing one connection per room, even though every room had two students. Since my roommate and friend had the more powerful computer, I asked them to put the network jack on his side of the room. I figured since we were great buds, I'd just mooch off of him when I needed to. Fast forward a month or two, and Best Bud does a complete 180 and turns into a raging jerk. I found out years later that he was having some issues with his at-the-time girlfriend, and he was lashing out at me. We sorted it out as adults and we're back to being friends now, but at the time, it was heck. I couldn't spend much time in the room with him. We'd both pretend as if the other didn't exist. I ended up spending a lot more time in friends' rooms to avoid being around him. Naturally, this meant I had no access to the net connection in our room. I was having to spend money to go to the nearby cyber cafe or ask my other friend to work on his computer. I put up with it for a while, thinking my friend would come around. He never did, so I was getting increasingly pissed off. So I did the only thing I could. The router was set up in the corridor from where they split off a connection to each room. Whenever I was out, I'd go unplug the wire to our room. It felt a lot better knowing he couldn't be online while I was browsing elsewhere. I'd also plug it back in when I returned so he could never figure out why it wasn't working. I kept it up for the whole year. We moved next year to single room dorms and each got an independent connection, but I still grin at having bugged him for that year. I mean, honestly, it would suck having no internet. But at the same time, I understand why OP did what they did, because imagine not feeling comfortable being in your own dorm for any extended amount of time because your roommate is just so awful. It would be a nightmare tiptoeing around this roommate, getting grief from them and feeling stressed every time you're in your own room with them. So I kind of get why they would get payback with the internet. Our next story is from Trazo M. Nevo TB. Bad teacher gets humiliated. Back in junior high school, chemistry class, I didn't like it, but I wasn't the worst student. The teacher was very moody and not organized. We had to make expositions individually, and that was half our grade. I prepared mine, not like my friends, did the research, draw and wrote on cardboard what I needed, and when the moment arrived, I did it great. But not for the teacher who thought 7 out of 10 was what it deserved. She didn't even hear anything I said or had a glimpse at my exposition because she was busy grading notebooks and talking to students. 
I tried to ask her what she liked about my exposition, but she ignored me and started raising her voice. I calmly walked out of the classroom, talked to a coordinator, and she called the two of us after class. The coordinator asked her why it was a 7 instead of a 10, and she didn't have any reasons. She had to apologize for my grade and changed it to a 10. Honestly, this is great. I'm glad there was a figure of authority that a student could go to and complain, and they legitimately took the complaint as a serious thing and held a teacher who was being legitimately awful to their kids and ignoring all the work that they put in and held them accountable for it. The fact that this teacher straight up ignored their students and then later had to apologize for ignoring their students, it sadly feels like a miracle case. You feel like a lot of these teachers would just get away with being a bad teacher. Our next story is from Bunny O'Hara. Petty Betty doesn't like garbage cans. I worked in civil services in one of the most dangerous cities in my state. A city of only 300,000, but with two or three murders a month, and violent crimes several times a day, every day. So while I understand little things can be annoying, the city has more important things to do than paying someone to drive 25 minutes across town to deal with ridiculous neighborhood bickering especially when there weren't enough hours in the day to help all the people who called with actual problems. That being said, the city had a policy of responding to every single citizen call, regardless of how stupid and wasteful it was. One day, a call came across my computer from an anonymous caller, I'll call her Petty Betty, reporting that the neighbor across the street had left their empty garbage cans at the curb for four hours after pickup, and the caller demanded the owner be cited for it. The caller was listed as refused, non-contact, which means just like it sounds. The person wanted me to do their dirty work, but were too chicken poop to speak to me like an adult about their concerns. So across town I drove, and as I barely slowed down while driving past the offending cans, I cleared the call by typing, yes, can confirm there are in fact two cans sitting in the gutter as described, but cannot confirm with non-contact RP what time garbage was picked up so call closed. Also noted numerous other unrelated cans left out in the neighborhood. About 10 minutes go by, and another call comes in from irate Petty Betty, stating that she'd watched me drive away without even stopping to do my job and investigate things. Betty knows the law and demands the homeowner be cited for the eyesore. She even mentioned the correct obscure city ordinance, stating cans couldn't be out four hours after pickup. Oh boy, you sure caught me, Betty. So back I go. This time I get out, and as I'm pulling the cans back three whole feet so they're on the owner's grass and in technical compliance, I give a little finger wave towards Betty's home, just so she knows I know she's peeping out the curtains, and then I leave. Not the most professional thing to do, but there was no way I was citing some poor neighbor for stupid garbage cans. But I was over it and on to other things without another thought. But like an annoying gnat that won't leave you alone, a few minutes later, I get a private heads up message from a concerned coworker that Petty Betty was calling to file a complaint with my supervisor. And sure enough, later that day, I had a good laugh when my supervisor blamed me for making him snort laugh as Betty described my passive aggressive wave towards her house. And it pissed her off that he didn't care about the cans either. Now the super petty revenge part. Every time I drove by that house and the cans were out, I stopped to move them to the edge of the lawn just to piss off Petty Betty, and I waved each and every time. Hope she saw me. Nobody likes these narcs. 
I've heard stories from friends with neighbors who were so uptight about city ordinances and following the rules and I think they just kind of hated their neighbor for some reason. So they would try to call an official over every possible violation they could find that the neighbor might have violated. The downside too is their system was apparently set up where they could be anonymous when reporting this. So my friend had their neighbor calling on them left, right, and center over whatever violations they could find. And because it's anonymous, you couldn't really, like, claim that the neighbor was, like, targeting them or anything. Our next story is from a Bill kid again. Petty revenge on my brother. So I don't sound like a jerk. My brother has been a jerk to me my entire life. And my parents take his side on everything. We just got home from a very long car ride, and he left a bunch of his crap, retainers, shoes, phone, etc., in the car. Now since he's been especially witchy to me lately, I consciously didn't bring them in for him. I usually help bring in things that others forgot. What makes this even more petty is that I lock the doors to the car, so he'll have to take two trips to the car. I'm not sure why this feels so good, but I'm happy nonetheless. Hey listen, if your sibling absolutely annoys you and the worst you do to them is lock the car door, so they're gonna go out there, find the car doors are locked, go have to ask their parents for the keys to get their stuff out, I would consider you a saint. And in fact, I would argue that that's the most reasonable thing to do anyways because I'm of the opinion, why leave your car doors unlocked anyways? You just never know. So not only do I think OP wasn't really petty, I think OP did the right thing. Our next story is from Bellman276. Call the cops on me? Enjoy the threat of arrest? This happened about 30 years ago and the pettiness was by my dad. We lived in a fairly small upstairs masonette in the UK with an attached garage block where all the garages for the estate were sandwiched together. We had two cars, so our garage was always occupied. One day, we'd been shopping and had quite a load to cart upstairs, so we parked on the end of the garage block, close to our front door so we could unload. Cue busybody neighbor, Hey, you can't park there. Dad says, We'll only be about 10 minutes while we unload. The busybody neighbor says, But you can't park there, it's not a parking space. Dad says, While I finish getting everything out of the car, No problem, I'll move it. Dad moves the car, and we get on with our lives, until a few weeks later, when busybody neighbor knocks on our door. He says, hey, you need to move your car. Dad says, no I don't. They say, yes you do. If you don't move it, I'm calling the police. Dad says, fine, go ahead, and closes the door. I have no idea who had parked there, but it wasn't either of our cars. I'm not even sure if it was the same color. Anyway, half an hour later, the doorbell goes again. A policeman standing there, busybody neighbor behind him with a smug smile on his face. The policeman says, Sorry sir, I'll need to ask you to move your car. Dad says, That's not my car. The neighbor says, But you said it was. Dad said, No I didn't. And explains to the policeman where our cars are. The policeman says, I'm so sorry to bother you sir. Then turns to the neighbor and says, If you call us out for something like this one more time, I'll take you to the station myself. The busybody neighbor splutters and stammers. Dad closed the door on them both with a very smug smile. I'm kind of confused here though because the policeman said, if you call us out for something like this one more time, I'll take you to the station. But even if it wasn't the dad's car, isn't there still a car that's illegally parked there? Isn't there still a violation? Even if the detail of whose car it is wasn't necessarily right on the report? Our next story is from an anonymous poster. Well, you threw it. Go get it. This happened in the pool in my neighborhood. Now, this pool isn't really private or can be booked, but no one really comes to it despite the time getting hotter. 
Now, this pool has a hot tub and a pool like most other pools. So it was about 6 or 6.30 and I was just doing a recovery for a workout until these four girls came. They weren't my age, in fact they were much younger than me, they looked 10 to 12. Now don't think of me as a predator because I was looking at them, it's because to be in the pool without supervision, you need to be at least 15 and these girls' parents weren't there. So I didn't bother to ask them as A, I'm not that guy, and B, if anything happens, they'll probably face the consequences. And I know you're asking, isn't there a lifeguard who asks how old you are, what time you came, etc.? Well, they lied and said they were 15. And yes, they might be 15 or older, but one of them had teeth that had fallen out, and they said that they were 15. Now, the lifeguard let them in, as I know him pretty well, and he's chill and won't really care, and knows that if anything happened to them, they would have faced the consequences. At this point, they were playing a game, and after a bit, they started playing truth or dare. I didn't think too much about it until one of the girl's goggles fell in front of me and they started laughing violently. I felt kind and gave it to the girls until it happened a second time. This time, I didn't even bother and continued doing my recovery until one of the girls said, Excuse me, mister, can you get the goggles for me? Cue the petty revenge. I calmly said, Well, you threw it. Get it yourself. That's when the girls met their match. I'm assuming they were doing it to be like playful and whatnot, maybe try to annoy OP a little bit, especially if they were off giggling and laughing in a little cluster. So I straight up don't blame OP if they threw it a second time and it's super obvious they're just trying to like make fun of OP or use them for entertainment while OP is just trying to get a workout recovery in. What OP did here was basically just an easy way of saying, nah, I'm not game for this. Our next story is from Donuts Aviator. I'm not who you're looking for. Not me, but a family member. He would get calls for a couple weeks at a time, looking for someone he never heard of from a collection company. After telling them a dozen or so times that they had a wrong number, they'd stop calling. A few months later, they would start calling again and the process would repeat. After nearly a year of this, he got fed up and told them so. They replied that he would just have to live with it. Wrong answer. He started calling them at least one time a day, sometimes multiple times, just to tell them that he wasn't who they were looking for and didn't know where the person was. After about a week, they told him they got the message and he could stop calling. His response? You're just going to have to live with it. Another month or so, he finally stopped and never heard from them again. Honestly, the situation here doesn't surprise me. If anybody knows anything about collections people, they're ruthless, they are cutthroat, and sometimes they're trying to do stuff that isn't even necessarily legal. I've heard of situations where people who had a lot of debt passed away, and collections people will try to hound their children and their relatives trying to get them to pay that debt, when there's no legal obligation to even do so. Imagine how crappy it is every so often getting a call of not only these collections people trying to collect debt from a relative that passed on, but also serving you a reminder and maybe not letting you even fully move on. Our next story is from Question for Life. Wanna call me a brown noser? Then yeah, we'll see how that works for you. I gotta share this. This happened many moons ago, roughly in the late 1970s, early 1980s, and it's one of my absolute favorite petty stories of all time. It involves my grandmother. My grandmother was a no BS kind of woman. She was not afraid to say no, and she was not afraid to tell it like it is. Towards the end of her life, she would always tell me, I know a lot of people thought I was a witch, but there were times I really didn't care. 
Anyway, this happened at her last job before she retired. She had a few friends at work, but she wasn't friendly with everyone per se, just on a professional level. There was this one girl, Debbie, who was a known backstabber and somewhat unpleasant to work with. She was that person who would be friendly to you and then talked mad crap about you behind your back. She had no problem taking credit for your work and blaming you for her mistakes. It was safe to say no one liked Debbie, but they tolerated her up to a point. So one day, my grandmother was having a short friendly conversation with her manager, who was from the Midwest, which is where my grandmother was from. Typical water cooler conversation, right? Well, out of the corner of my grandmother's eye, she saw Debbie stealing looks at her while Debbie was talking to a colleague of my grandmother, who was also somewhat my grandmother's best friend. Later, my grandmother happened to stop at her friend's workstation for a work-related inquiry, happened to ask what her and Debbie were talking about. Her friend said she didn't want to get involved, which told my grandmother right off that Debbie was talking about her specifically. She was right. Turns out, Debbie was telling everyone that my grandmother was being a brown nose to the boss because they were from the Midwest. But she wasn't. Far from it. So, my grandmother pretty much said to her friend, Okay, thanks for telling me. I think it was a day or so later, when it was lunchtime, and Debbie came around and asked if she could sit next to my grandmother at the lunch table. My grandmother turned around, looked at Debbie in the eyes and said, Nope, don't want you here. You can sit any place else but here. Debbie was pissed. So she did sit somewhere else, but went to the manager, the very manager she was talking about, and demanded my grandmother be a team player. This is where it got really interesting. So the manager comes over with Debbie in tow and asked what was going on. Point blank, my grandmother looks at her boss in the eye and goes, You know, she's telling everyone that I'm sucking up to you, that I'm being a brown noser. Not only that, but you know darn well that she does nothing but cause problems with everyone in this office. She backstabs everyone left and right, and she cries that no one is friends with her. And she's right, no one wants to be friends with her. She only wants to sit here so she can find out something to use against me or everyone at this table. And as far as I'm concerned, she doesn't need to sit here. She can sit by herself or in the car, but I don't care. She's not sitting next to me. I remember my grandmother telling me she remembers Debbie's face slacked from shock and her boss's face trying hard not to smile. Her boss then tried to be reconciliatory and said that they worked together. My grandmother then told her and Debbie... You're right. We work together, and that's how it's going to be. She can come to me for any work-related questions, but if she comes to me to be friends, not going to happen. For the rest of her time at the place, Debbie never once talked about my grandmother again. Nor did she ever talk to her. A lot of people took my grandmother's cue and basically shunned Debbie and would only talk to her on work-related stuff. She ultimately quit the place before my grandmother retired. My grandmother was kind of a workplace hero for that. The important thing here is you don't want to put up with a bully like that, right? You don't want to put up with somebody that's going to go around behind people's backs, spread rumors, and poison the well. And you're definitely not going to let somebody that you know has gone around and said those things about you, near you, or into your life as a personal friend. I don't see how you would ever be able to forgive somebody that tried to backstab you like that. If you work with a known backstabber and you let them try to come into your life and be a friend with you, I feel like that already should immediately come with a major asterisk that at some point, they may stab you in the back too. You don't know their intention. 
And our final story of the day is from that one dragon dude. Steal from hardworking people? I'll humiliate you. Over the last few years, especially once COVID hit, there's been a massive influx of families gathering in front of grocery stores to play music on various different instruments while holding a sign claiming they were homeless. Problem was that it was pretty obvious to anyone who paid attention or those who play music instruments that they were faking it. They would use a large outdoor amplified speaker, pair their phone via Bluetooth, and pretend to play the lead instrument in that song. One day, they were playing in front of the store where I worked on our property. I made a note to approach them mid-song to catch them in the act and it worked. As I was telling the man of the family they couldn't be there, he screwed up and lifted his bow off his violin while the song was still playing. He ended up moving to another part of the parking lot, off the property, but still close enough to lure our customers in. I knew I had to do something, knowing that they made a very large amount of money from people in my area, which is reasonably upscale. On one of my breaks, I noticed that they were starting to pack up, but the huge speaker was still out. I pulled out my phone and attempted to pair with his speaker. I really didn't think it would work, but sure enough when I tried, I heard a loud beep from it, confirming that my phone paired with it. I proceeded to play an audio clip that said the following. Thank you Name of Area for your support. Just as a disclaimer, we want to let you know that we aren't actually playing instrument. I have my phone paired with the speaker in an attempt to make it look like I am playing this music. This clip repeated almost four times before they got it to stop. They left in a hurry, and we never saw them again. My local area talked about it a lot after this happened. Screw anyone that takes money from people in dishonest ways. I think it really is a pretty disingenuous thing to somehow masquerade that you're somehow this talented violinist. I do feel bad for panhandlers when they're in a situation that they legitimately need the money, but it does suck to hear stories like this and even ones where like, regular people will just wear really junked up holy dirty clothes and they'll just go panhandling and make like a side gig out of it. I've seen news stories that covered people that were literally going out and pretending to be these panhandlers and honestly making enough from it to have it be a competitive side hustle. You gotta be really low to go and pull some stunt like that. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to see another revenge story that was even more insane than the ones in this video, click on that left video, or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time for some more stories.